my words are not working. We haven't been in class for like six weeks, so. No, I know. I'm like, okay, I'm going to dress up today because I've been wearing sweatpants <laughs> for like five days. I'm like, that's not good. Hey, and thanks for listening to season two of Thought Leadership Podcast. I'm Lisa Zimmer here with my co-host, Zach Wheeler. We're recording this episode out of UC's 1819 Innovation Hub, a collaborative space where local businesses can partner with the university resources and talent. 1819 is a place of thinking, making and doing, of discovery and delivery for the university and its community, for the city and the world beyond. So thank you, 1819. If you'd like to learn more about this space, visit www.uc1819.edu for more information. In today's podcast, we'll be interviewing Anthony Johnson, a UC alumnus and a local business professional. Anthony is an experienced program manager for Siemens, a company he started interning with when he was an undergrad at UC. On top of being a marketing professional, he runs a public policy consulting firm and works for the city in Cincinnati. Thanks for being here today, Anthony. Thanks for having me. For our listeners, would you just mind walking us through a typical day in your life, a little bit about your career in general? Sure. Um, it's pretty interesting because I work between three different functions these days. Like I graduated from school and accepted a full-time job offer at Siemens, but that quickly turned into just my day job. And then I started working with a council member locally specifically council member Tamaya Denard. Um, I worked on a campaign with her alongside my full-time job, and a lot of that transitioned into, okay, when we won the campaign, uh, I just started consulting for her office, hence why now I'm a part-time employee with the city of Cincinnati. And so my days are often split. I'll spend some time at Siemens, at the office here locally, but then often I'll just jump out of the office and run down to the city um, and do some I'll normally have a meeting or two with Tamaya during the day, maybe over lunch or like after work. Most of my day is spent in the office, like pretty generic like office responsibilities, like <laughs> meetings, phone calls, emails. All the fun stuff. Yeah, people tell you it's like glamorous until you start working and you realize pretty much 90% of people's jobs these days are email mm-hmm. and like group messaging. And then like 10% of it is actually like different across what you do. Great. So for being a recent grad, what has been the hardest part about starting your career and transitioning from a student to a professional? It's been a rough ride for sure. Like I started a lot of things that I did not finish, mostly because I would start things and realize like, oh, that wasn't the direction I wanted to take my career. And then really quickly like, like, okay, I maybe need to jump on something else or put my name in another hat to pursue another job or like start working on a business, which I then did. But the hardest part has really been trying to figure out, like, okay, I have a, po- a political science degree um, with some courses in business, but not really a specific like, hard science or a hard business skill like many people do. Like, if you graduate from the College of Business, you can end up, you know, with a marketing degree and you go into a marketing function. Like, it's a very path-driven sort of way of going about your career. I think for students like me who study a broad field like poli-sci and anyone who's really in humanities has this problem like you can take your career so many different directions like I could become a journalist I could work in government I could stay in government or work half of my career in the 
private sector, it could go into development or real estate, whatever it may be, but really picking like what the heck I want to do during the day with my time is kind of difficult because what you do sort of sets you on a path then um, for the future, you know, your next job, you ideally want it to be related. But I think I figured it out. I want to be in the private sector, but I also want to retain some involvement with government. And I think finding a way to do that, like full-time being in the private sector to pay the bills and like, you know, keep my career going in that way is definitely the right move for me. But I enjoy politics, so I will always try to seek some kind of involvement with like local government or like state government. What was some of your path that helped you figure that out? Did you try out different things, try different jobs? Lots of different things. Um, throughout school, I think, was the best sort of experience I got. Like, I interned across all kinds of different topics. Like, my first internship was here on campus, actually, at the Ohio Innocence Project, the law school. I was, like, a research fellow, like, basically just doing casework, and they're, like, a legal clinic. They help people um, who, well, we believe they were wrongfully convicted, and so we helped them um, go back and hopefully get exonerated and released from prison. That's the objective, and it takes a ton of research, but I did that, and even though it's cool work and it was really impactful, I knew I didn't like law that much after I worked there for a year, which I'm glad I figured out early, otherwise I would have gone to law school and like spent a lot of money before realizing I didn't want to be an attorney. Um, so after that, I worked in publishing for a little bit, I worked um, across four different campaigns, like political campaigns. Mm -hmm. And I noticed like writing and campaigning is interesting to me, but I wanted to do a little bit more with it. Like I wanted to put that towards some bigger objective as opposed to just being a writer or a campaign professional. So I won a campaign, like the only campaign I ever won was a city council campaign here locally. And that translated into a job now in government where I'm doing uh, like public policy and helping the city write laws and come up with new laws um, and, and I think that's sort of the thing that really clicked was like finding a skill that I enjoy but then like being able to put it towards some bigger objective. From interning to becoming professional how did UC play a role in all of this? I will say UC as well early on in my career as a student I didn't know that there was much available for students, like in terms of professional development on campus. Like I really didn't tap into anything because I wasn't a part of Greek life or any like student organization on campus. So I just wasn't as plugged in and I moved here from overseas. So I was just totally like out of the loop on what there is. Um, but I think then when I was an upperclassman, like beginning of my junior year, that sort of existential crisis starts to set in of like, what am I going to do after I graduate? So I took a class at UC that was um, Professional Development 3000. It's like finding an internship is literally the, the name of the class. And I took the class, it was one semester long. It was like a three credit hour course. They help you write a resume correctly and like multiple different resumes for the different fields you're interested in. Um, they help you figure out how to write a cover letter correctly, how to interview. They set you up with like informational and mock interviews. So I did those. But then at the end of it, I found a bunch of actual internships and like interviewed at 10 or so different places, got offers because UC was like the name behind the program. And if I wasn't applying with UC's program, I would have just been some random name in a pool of you know thousands of applicants. 
but similar to the co-op program here at UC, it's like if you apply through UC's internship program, they know that you were like vetted to some extent to get into that program. And so right away, I would usually get a call back. And that was hugely helpful. So that internship, I think it's still called the academic internship program. It used to be Propel, like in that office, but I think they have a totally different name now. But there were a bunch of other things too, like student government was really helpful. Just being involved with student government, you get involved with local government too, and like state government, because politicians and their staff come to campus to meet with student government. Um, so I did a good job of tapping into the people that are literally around you if you're in those circles. And there were other resources too, you know, like talking to your professors. <laughs> I think a lot of people think their professors are just teachers and you really have to learn that they're there to help you career-wise, not just while you're a student. And I asked a lot of professors, even outside of my degree program, um, like, hey, do you know someone at this company? Because they likely do. Professors know everyone, usually. Um, and usually that was a great reference to have on a, a job application, or they would even call behind someone they knew who was hiring um, and just help me find an opportunity. So really it's just taking advantage of like every person on campus you think is connected in some way, especially like the programs that are actually tailored to students. Hindsight being 2020, what are some of the things that you wish you would have known before you graduated? A lot of things, um, but one is definitely like how important GPA is even after you leave school. I think I kind of dilly-dallied my first two years of college I thought it was okay to like have a lot of fun and you should still have a great time in college, but I think I would have clamped down a lot earlier and focused on getting like an extremely high GPA, especially my first year of college, because it just sets you up to do well and after that there's no pressure then. Um, but again, hindsight is 2020, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think I grew through that experience and like learned what it's like to have underachieved and then have to really like buckle down and overachieve to offset that. So you learn from that kind of experience. But some other things I wish I would have known, keeping your parents involved, like while you're in school. I know this maybe sounds weird from a professional development standpoint, but especially if your parents are in a career field that could possibly like pay dividends someday or like know people who are relatively successful in what it is that you want to do. If you, you can use your parents as a resource in college. And I think a lot of people think, oh, that's my mom and dad. I don't want them to help me. I want to do it myself. Long-term, like your family connections are going to be the strongest professional connections if you have them that you'll ever have because they're always there. And my parents, I sort of neglected the fact that they're super connected and know a lot of people and now after college, I find myself leaning heavier on my parents than I did before the college. And so if I would have done that throughout, I could have probably secured like even better internships in other cities or like even gone back overseas to my home country, to Germany and worked like in the government in Germany. But I just had this like do it myself mentality. So I didn't do that, but would have not made that mistake. <laughs> so success in general, is built by setting goals. How often do you set goals for yourself and how do you hold yourself accountable to meet those goals? 
Yeah, two very distinct parts of that question. Um, setting goals, I agree, is like super important. Um, you're told that all the time. And since I think it's mostly young people we're talking to here, um, most of us like to think that that's kind of cheesy and like that kind of goal speak gets kind of on your nerves after a while. Because at least the way I was raised, it's like people have been in my ears since like fourth grade saying like, you have to set goals, you have to measure and achieve them, like smart goals, these kind of goals. And there's always a different, every year there's a different type of goal setting activity. But I don't think everyone gets as jazzed up by it personally. It's like something you have to do. Um, so then really in the end, you don't hold yourself accountable to those. I think it's taking a step back and looking at like, okay, what's important to me next month? And like, what's important to me in the next six months and then the next 12 months? like where do I want to then be also long term and trying to make sure like you actually have like small goals that are measurable and like attainable but then also like bigger goals that you can constantly measure yourself to just as you're going and making sure you're doing the right thing I will say I've been so busy lately that it's been kind of hard to find time to set goals I know you guys probably feel the same way there's so much pressure to actually just be doing stuff all the time that you just setting goals feels almost like a waste of time sometimes, but it's really not. I know when I get too wrapped up in doing things, I end up doing so much, and then I look back, and like, I just spent the last two weeks working on stuff that I didn't even really need to be doing right now, and I was dropping the ball on a whole bunch of other things that mm -hmm. I should have been actually more focused on. Um, so, long story short, I have not been taking enough time to set long-term goals or, like, midterm goals that are like three four months out from now but I have done a much better job since we got out of college to like manage my time and asking myself like okay what do I actually need to accomplish this week and what do I want to accomplish this week and what I should accomplish this week because those are all sometimes different um, and then there's the whole other side of that question and like holding myself accountable I don't know I'm still kind of learning along the way like Often one of the ways is just be hard on yourself if you did if you didn't achieve it and be like, okay, what do I now need to change, right? Like do I need to stop going home for lunch or do I need to change up my routine somehow so that I can make more time for whatever it is I need to be doing differently? Or is it going out less on the weekend so I'm not as tired on Monday or Tuesday or that kind of thing? It's often simple and it makes me huge difference so yeah i'd say it's be hard on yourself in ways that's like productive but then it's just about doing it the following week right so working for the city of cincinnati is an integral part of your life and your career how would you describe the city's potential for young professionals i was just having this conversation at work the other day because a young Perfect. person like <laughs> from new york was asking me like should i move here mm -hmm. and he was in town and he works in New York City like with the city government there like for city council in New York he's like yeah I'm considering moving to Cincinnati and my first reaction is like why do you want to move here I was like wait 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 I can't say that I work for the city I should be promoting the city and I don't think it's fair I'll say this to like compare Cincinnati just like Chicago or LA or New York people often do that like we're not Chicago so obviously we suck and that's not I don't think that's a really fair way to look at it some people really like mid-sized cities and small to mid-sized. So I think that's the lens to look at. You know, if you 
are okay with living in a smaller city, then you have a bunch of options in the US. And against all those options, Cincinnati does have a lot of good stuff. Like we're one of the cheapest costs of living. Um, we have a really interesting history and backstory. We also have a lot of Fortune 500 companies in the city, which has been a big sell for me. Like the company I work for is a gigantic global company and we don't have offices in cities like Cincinnati all around the country. We have really remote offices in the middle of nowhere. And then most of us, most of Siemens's offices are global. So it's actually pretty cool that I can stay here and work for a big firm like that. Now I will say one of the challenges I'm seeing, because I'm not from here, five years now and I'm learning like where I may have to eventually move or like if I want to do something I would have to move to do that getting into like really high level senior leadership positions at some of the fortune 500s or like even at like fortune 1000s locally it's tough because a lot of them are family owned still or it's very like niche a lot of the folks maybe went to a particular high school and there's literally like a, <laughs> you're gonna go work for P&G and like your dad is a vice president so therefore you're gonna be a vice president at this company. And I've found a lot of those picks are actually like premeditated already and a lot of folks know that they're on a track to leadership at a company whereas someone like me or someone like us, we would literally have to get there on the merits and that can be a difficult landscape if you're not from Cincinnati and just like jump into thinking there's unlimited advancement potential. Like this isn't to say everywhere is like that, but a lot of the big companies that people actually come here for and that YPs want to stay here for, it can be sometimes pretty hard to get promoted. I think that's the only downside. But in general, pretty cool social life. There's a lot of universities. Like I think Cincinnati's still on the up and up. It's going to be a while before we become like a, a Pittsburgh or a Seattle type of like big city. But we're getting there. And I think in like the next 10 to 20 years, like more young people will gravitate to stay here. And hopefully by the end of our lifetimes, like we're a pop-in place for young people. Yeah, I hope so too. Well, I agree with you about it's hard to get senior leadership experience in Cincinnati or rise to the top because of those family connections. And that's part of the reason that we're doing this podcast, because we want to showcase other business opportunities and other firms that aren't just your big names in the Cincinnati region, that the names yeah. people don't think of, but have just as much impact on the Cincinnati business community as these other firms. Um, I, I did have one quick question I wanted to ask you. For someone who's looking to maybe get more involved in the like uh, public life in Cincinnati or the political life in Cincinnati, what are some recommendations you could have for them maybe that, that, as they're starting out? Yeah, that's, it's daunting to look at like politics when you move somewhere or if you're like a young person just graduating from college, like if you have political aspirations, which we all to some extent should have, even if it's small, like at the local level, I, I'd say it's first like just become acquainted with local leadership. Like they're so accessible. The mayor lives down the street all the city council members live in this area within like 15 miles and you can hit them up for coffee and like they would meet with you within a couple weeks. And that's how I befriended a council member. Like I literally just met up with her at Starbucks and like we hit it off and we became friends after that. And the next year I found myself running her campaign. We won and like now she's in a position to do all kinds of stuff. She at some point wants to run for the US House and like at some point would love to run for governor of the state. and like. She's young, so 
I'd say make friends, like genuinely make friends, um, because those are the relationships in politics that are actually going to like carry weight. And I know that maybe sounds a little weird because you're like, oh, shouldn't politics be treated like professional networking? But like political life is personal life. Like if you think about it, it's your day-to-day life and those decisions that are made, not really like your job or anything. So making networks in politics that are just transactional won't really take you very far. You have to actually make real relationships with like your community, um, people in power, people who around you who share the same kind of beliefs and then use those throughout your life. But on another note, um, I got involved here locally with an organization called New Leaders Council. The short, it's for NLC for short, but it's a national nonprofit like based in Washington. It's like right across the street from the White House. And their whole objective is to help build a pipeline for young people to not just run for office, but like literally just assume leadership roles in the public sphere, like you're saying. And the way they do that is they have chapters all around the country that tailored towards like young millennials who are hungry but don't know how to get there and helping them get trained, exposed to the right sorts of people, tap into the right kind of resources and money if they wanted to run for office or like start a nonprofit or run a campaign on an issue they care about or something. You can get involved with that group totally for free and they'll help you. And there are a number of other groups like this out there that are just literally pipelines for millennials and young people who care about a certain cause to just go out and do it. And so if you go online and like look up local nonprofits that do political training and that kind of networking, they're out there, even here. Free, thank you very much. But I, I like to, um, I'm always interested in what kind of books people are reading um, or articles or sources. It says a lot about a person based yeah. off what they're reading. Yeah, so I've noticed that. We're curious <laughs> just to know what is one book that has changed the way you view your professional life or the way you set goals or something in that mindset and then just something that you're consistently reading. Yeah, so I'll start with the first one that's just like literally rocked my world was Elon Musk's biography. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) I read read that book, and that's what a lot of people say because I think a lot of folks have this misconception about like business moguls. Well, he he hasn't had a good PR run lately, but yeah. (laughs) Maybe his book tells more. Yeah, exactly. And that's my thing. Like he's never let someone follow him around. He doesn't let reporters around his personal life. So people don't really know who he is other than like the scandalous stuff he pulls off in public, which is partially an act, which he admits. Uh, but Ashley Vance followed him around for like 10 years of his life, writing this book and released it, I think, a couple of years ago. But it tells a story of like this kid who grew up in South Africa, who really came from nothing and then ran away from his parents to Canada, took a job at a factory by himself. Like he was 14 years old, like just running around Canada, took a job in a factory, worked there for a while, his your younger brother came and moved with him because he also wanted to run away from home. And somehow they like befriended the minister of finance in Canada, who was like, the head of the central bank there. And he didn't even know what he was getting himself into. Like interned there and then somehow wound back up in the United States. And it just tells a crazy story of like this weird dude who a lot of us kind of like now look down on because he makes some pretty terrible decisions day to day. But he figures out like, why he's doing what he's doing and he realizes that it's because he just wants people to embrace change more and like embrace really radical ideas and that they're fine as ideas and like that our ideas should always be radical 
but like the application of them will be reasonable and we'll find ways to make incremental progress in business and politics like whatever it is we're doing but like the idea you put forth should be crazy like you should never only shoot for like the next step you should shoot for the moon and then like get there slowly right and so watching like how he created paypal and like then people told him it was crazy for wanting to do banking on a computer like they thought that was insane and unsecure and then ebay three years later bought it for three billion dollars that kind of thinking is just awesome and i think everyone should take a chance to read that book because it might sort of change the way you view people like elon musk it doesn't necessarily make you want to be like them but I think I have a strong appreciation for people who come out and just like speak their mind now. I don't really criticize people anymore who I really disagree with, who have a clear like conviction behind what they're saying and it's backed up by like actual belief and like not just like maybe hatred or like something that is actually bad. Like it's just they're passionate and I, now it makes it a lot easier to see passion as a good thing. But then the other book I would highly suggest is the Prince, like Machiavelli's <laughs> book. I think since we've talked a little bit about politics, but it's also like talking about leadership and business mm -hmm. and being a young person. I don't think many people read about leadership anymore in the right sort of way. Like we read a lot about like control and financial leadership, like being in control of a lot of money or being in control of a company as leadership. And I think just the act of like leading by example, which is like what that book teaches is like still just the strongest form of leadership like among your peers you should seek to be like the one people come to to ask questions about what they're going to do next right even if you don't really know what you're doing just the fact that people come to you and ask you is a good sign that like you're serving as a good example so not necessarily like a business book but i think just every person should read the prince to learn what it needs to be a leader great thank you definitely hit up nlc like newleaderscouncil.org awesome organization any city you're in nationally um, they'll welcome you with open arms and it's a group of really talented millennials great backing at the national level people like joe biden are on the board like michael blake from the dnc business leaders like chris kelly at facebook is on our board it's just an awesome network of millennials and i think it's like fifty thousand strong you can tap into anywhere you are in the country but then back to the alumni association here at uc we're hosting a tech stars panel per se in the new year and since we're here in the 1819 hub i think that's a cool parallel because it'll likely be in a location like this we try to do it here but they have a lot of demand for events here mm -hmm. um, so it'll probably be in over the rhine like a centrifuge or somewhere else in the city that's like a startup space um, and we're going to try to get really powerful millennials in the room, not just from Cincinnati, but from like DC, Silicon Valley, Chicago. Um, we've approached a few at some of the major startups in the country already, and they've shown some interest. So that panel will be in the spring, um, and we'll follow up with dates and stuff like that. But UC Alumni Association shares it all on their website, and you can check out their calendar. But I think that'd be a cool opportunity to meet top-level folks from like Facebook and Twitter, you know, Grubhub, Spotify, you name it. Like, we'll invite all sorts of people here. It'll be a great event. Awesome. That does sound like a great time. Yeah. Anthony, dude, I do appreciate you taking time and um, speaking with us on our Lisa and I's first interview and uh, appreciate you as we stumble through it. So, again, thank you very much and uh, wish you all the best. Yeah. I hope I was able to be a little bit helpful. No, nah, you're great. Yeah. People are more than willing to like contact me or anything. If yeah, we'll put um, we'll put the links to everything you mentioned and uh, if you if you're getting your contact info on the yeah for sure. Thanks for having the show notes. Awesome, thank you, Anthony. 
again for being on today's episode, Anthony. Stay tuned for our next episode as we continue to learn about the Cincinnati business community. 